How many of you have ever felt like the opening lyrics of that song was sometimes you feel so discouraged that you feel like your life is in vain? I'm tempted often to grumble, murmur, and complain. Hee-haw used to put it this way. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression. Excessive misery. And you know that's exactly the mind frame the devil wants to get you in. Because you see, if he can ever get you into that pity party and woe is me, and you begin to look inward instead of upward, I want you to know it does get gloom and doom. But I assure you, I read a marquee on a church sign somewhere one day, and it, it was so true. It says, the outlook is dim, but the uplook's bright. I want you to know that the devil will do anything within his ability to try to rob from you victory and blessings and the will of God in your life. He's on a mission. We have an enemy. We have an opponent. Devil. Slewfoot. Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, you have an enemy. And the sucker don't play fair. He's more cunning than any beast of the field. And he knows when, where, and how to try to lay an ambushment for you. That's why it's absolutely imperative that each and every one of us that are Christians stay full of the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God will lead God and direct us into all truths, will teach us all things. The discerning of the spirits will alert us to that ambush that the devil is setting, that trap that he has set to try to catch you in. The devil loves to use Christians as punching bags. God loves to use Christians for victors. You know the word Nike means the victor. And I want you to know that God is not intended for his kids to be losers. He's intended for us to overcome, not be overcome. He's intended for us to be the head and not the tail. He's intended for us to go forth and to do exploits. You know, the word of God says, and the people that do know their God shall do exploits. That doesn't mean just trying to get by the, through and through and through the day. That means accomplishing something for the purposes of God. Actually, it comes down to this. It means this, just obeying what God speaks in your life for you to do. Because if you do what God has told you to do, good and great things come out of it. Did you know the Word of God talks so much about if you so much as give a drink of cool water in my name, you have a prophet's reward? Sometimes we think that in order to do an exploit for God, we have to do, build some kind of multi-million dollar ministry, and certainly it includes those things, but I want you to know this, that nothing trumps or nothing supersedes being obedient to what God would call you to do. It's better than any sacrifice. It's better than any offering that you can give is what it's saying to just obey what God says. And his, his marching orders and his purposes and his plan are right here. The devil tries very hard to keep you from reading this, from digesting this, from knowing this, from walking in this, from standing on this, 
from speaking this and expecting this to happen in your life. I made mention a couple of weeks ago, and I want to reiterate the fact tonight that Jesus could do no great miracle in his own hometown. Why? Because of their unbelief, because of their lack of expectancy. We limit God in our lives and in our circumstances by our lack of expectancy. He wants us to dream big, to work hard, learn from our mistakes, look to Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, and go forward. Not retreat, not go back, not lay down, not quit. By the way, you need to be here on Tuesday nights and you'll hear a whole lot about that. If you have your Bibles, would you turn very quickly to 1 John chapter 5. If you can listen as fast as I can talk, we won't be long. Some people call that Little John. It's on page 1667 in my book. 1 John chapter 5. I want to talk to you tonight for just a few moments about some of the tactics, and it's certainly not all of them, but some of the tactics that the devil will use to try to keep you living in defeat. 1 John chapter 5, I still hear pages turning, but I'm going to go ahead and read. Verse 1, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous or hard. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Let me reread that. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Some of the tactics that the devil will use, and again, I'll say they're not limited to this, but I want to point out some to you tonight. The first thing that he'll do is want to cause you to question that there might even be a God. Is there a God? The Word says that the fool has said in their heart there is no God. By the way, the United States government has set aside a day just for them. It's called April Fool's Day. A holiday. And by the way, did you know Easter this year for the first time that I can ever remember falls on April Fool's Day? That proves you a fool if you don't believe it. There's God. That's the day he walked out of the tomb. But he'll try to get you to believe and question the fact, is there even a God? And then he'll try to get you to, to, to question or to live in a place where you procrastinate doing the things that God instructs you to do pertaining to your situation or your battle or your struggle. The word is clear on how to handle it and deal with it, but yet you'll procrastinate and put off from doing it and delay it. And the next thing you know, you're walking in defeat and not in victory. He will give you a deluding impression that what you see is what you get. This is probably the biggest victory lap that the devil gets to take. Because most Christians, contrary to what the Word of God says, it says that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. 
But most Christians tend to walk by sight and not by faith. Most Christians are thermometer Christians. They're not thermostat Christians. You know what that means. The level of their spirituality is dictated by the atmosphere of the room that they're in. But instead of being a thermometer Christian, they need to be a thermostat. And when it's, when it's sin city, they let the light of the Lord shine. They don't go by what they see. They go by faith. Let me give you some biblical illustrations of that. How about Moses? leading all these children of Israel out of slavery, and Pharaoh's ticked off, and he's chasing them out by the Red Sea. And they're standing there. Body, a big body of water. A mad army closing in on them. Things look bad. Don't look good. The word says that Moses stretched his rod out over the sea. The Lord let a, what started out as a little gentle breeze begin to blow. And it finally, that wind pushed that water back. Unlike the picture that we see in our Sunday school lesson, he pushed it back a long way. You've heard me talk about this before as to how to get roughly two million people across that body of what was a body of water, now it's a desert floor, in the length of time that the Bible says it did, in less than a day, plus all of the cattle, the oxen, the sheep, the goats, and all of the stuff that they're carrying, to get that many people across in that length of time, he had to push it back. Someone did the math, and it's close to two miles. That explains why Pharaoh pursued the children of Israel right on out in there. See, he didn't know that those walls of water were pushed back that far. He couldn't see them. He thought he was still in the desert. So when he pursued, guess what happens? He's overcome and destroyed by the very thing that he thought had those children of Israel trapped. How about the three Hebrew children? Oh, if you don't bow down, you're going in that fire. That was a reality. In fact, the king says, and who is that God that is able to deliver you from my hand? My God can, and my God will. But even if he don't, we're not going to bow down. Now, Christians, there's a whole lot to learn from that right there. My God can, my God will, but even if he don't, I'm not bowing down. We need to have the mindset and the commitment and the resolve to if the Lord never did another thing for us to save us and give us an eternal home in heaven with him is more than enough. But I assure you, he will continually and perpetually show up and show out and do great and mighty things in your life. Because he said, if we'll call on the Lord, he'll show us great and mighty things. But we don't call on him enough. We don't look to him enough. We look at circumstances. We're dictated and governed by what we see. How about the children of Israel while we're talking about him? They're ready to go into the promised land. They're standing at the River Jordan. They send out the spies. You all know the story. They come back, 10 of them with a bad report, two of them with a good report. And listen to their words. They're reporting on what they saw. 
Truly, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Just like God promised. You ought to see the size of the grapes and the pomegranates. But there's giants over there. And we, in our own sight, are as grasshoppers. Too many people in the church today have that grasshopper mentality. We have that grasshopper complex by looking at the things that are around that appear to be when, when God's word says, speak to the mountain. You know, God's never intended for us to be mountain climbers. He's intended for us to be mountain movers. And we've got to stop looking at the giants in the land and start looking at the God of the land. We've got to start looking at the God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. We've got to look to the one that says, all power in heaven and earth is mine. Not some power, not limited power, not occasional power. All power in heaven and earth is mine. And I've got your back. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way to the very end of the ages. And I could go on with others. Daniel in the lion's den, for example, and, 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 and many others. And the common denominator here is that no matter what they faced, no matter what they saw, they stayed faithful to the Lord. And because of their faithfulness, they were delivered, each and every one of them. Each and every one of them. And he is no respecter of persons, and he will do the exact same thing for you and in your life. Also, the devil likes to cause you to feel like the, and give you the impression that your failures are final and fatal. Is there anybody in this place that's ever messed up besides me? Please, come on, don't leave me here hanging by myself. And I have, would have such remorse and be so disappointed in myself, mad at myself that I, I did that and that I said I wasn't going to do it anymore. And if I'm in, but not careful, the devil will begin to come in and put such a guilt trip on me that I'll forget what I need to do. And that's to repent and get back in the race and run the way that I should. So it gives you that impression that your failures are, are final and they're fatal, and I'm going to hurry up and close. I'm going to give you a few biblical examples. Jonah. Remember, he got a word from God. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the word that I bid thee. And so he arose, and what did he do? He went and bought a ticket to Tarshish, and he's running, going the other way like so many of us do when God speaks to us to do something. He was in rebellion, finds himself in the belly of a big old fish. By the way, how did he get there? His buddies that were on the ship with him, when they found out he was the reason for the problem, they chunked his butt overboard. And I want you to know your friends will bail out on you too. They'll quit. Their, your so-called friends will throw you to the wolves. But God won't. What about David? Up one night, can't sleep, looking out the window. <whistles> Sees old sweet thing over there, taking a bath. And he wanted her. And he committed adultery, compounded his sin by having her husband sent to the front lines where he'd be killed. 
What about Peter? The one that is the Lord's Supper told the Lord, he says, everybody else may forsake you. You can count on me. The Lord said, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. Because tonight, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to three times deny that you know me. And sure enough, they arrest Jesus. Peter winds up in town. He sees what all they're doing to his Lord, and he denies. Then he denies again. Then he denies a third time. One translation says, even says that he cursed that he knew God. And sure enough, that third time, he heard that. <laughs> and his eyes made contact with Jesus. And a word did not have to be spoken. Said Peter went out. And he wept bitterly. What about Samson? Peter was walking in fear. David was walking in the flesh. Samson was being disobedient when he's over there toying with Delilah and laying his head in her lap until he did the one thing God told him, don't do. Don't tell anybody where your strength lies. And he dibbled and dabbled in that sin conscience became seared his reasoning became cloudy he became so arrogant and full of pride that he thought what difference does it make if I tell her I'm Samson so he told her where his strength lied and sure enough she cut his hair and he became as any other man when she said the Philistines are upon you the Philistines are upon you said, Samson got up and he shook himself as before and didn't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And they took him and they gouged out his eyes and the one whom they had feared they now had control of and they gouge his eyes out and take him to town and hook him up to the wine press and they're making sport of him, watching him. But they were so full of their hatred of him and mockery of him, they didn't notice that his hair was beginning to grow. And Peter and Samson and David and Jonah, all of them had one thing in common. What was it? They all repented and were restored and fulfilled the mission in which God had called them to do. And I want you tonight to know that no matter what your sin is or no matter what your failure is, Repent. Turn to God. Draw back close to Him. Be restored to that place and go and finish what He started in you. Come on up. If you would bow your heads, let me talk to you for just a minute. I, I sense in my spirit that many of you are in this place tonight. That, in fact, we could all probably raise our hand to the first one that, that we're being controlled by, and our walk is by sight more so than by the walk of faith.
And you'd say, Dennis, I don't understand why. I let my flesh override what I know in my heart that I should do, that I should walk by faith and not by sight. But tonight, with God's help, and as I make a new commitment to get into God's Word and to hide His Word in my heart that I might not sin against Him, that's between you and God. If you're ready to make that commitment, shoot your hand up right now. I want to see it. Get it up and get it right back down. Yes, 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 yes. Get it up. About 30 already, 40. Now 50. Come on, get it up. This is your commitment you're making to God, not to me. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Dennis, I'm like Peter and Jonah and Samson and those guys. that I've been so disobedient to God and I have gotten the flesh and I've been disobedient and I've ran from him and I'm just simply not doing, living the way that I know that I should. But I want to make a promise to myself and I want to repent and I want to ask God for forgiveness. Can I see your hand? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Dennis, I don't fall into either one of those categories because I'm lost as a road lizard. And I don't know Jesus at all. Tonight I'd like to call on him and I'd like to be forgiven of my sins and I'd like to ask him to save me and to be my Savior and Lord. That's you. Could I see your hand? Anyone anywhere? Slip it up. Slip it right back down. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Very quickly. This is your moment. You're tired of living the way you are and you know that you're not saved but that you're lost. Anyone else, real quickly, slip your hand up, slip it right back down. Everybody look up here at me for just a minute. I never get tired of telling how easy the plan of salvation is. For the one that has raised your hand, the Word of God simply says this. That if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that came to this earth, lived a sinless life, even though he was tempted in every way that we are, he was without sin. He died and shed pristine blood to save sinful man and to redeem us back to holy God. But he doesn't stay dead. Three days later he walks out of a grave and he's alive today. He's coming back someday to get us. He said, if we believe that in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, then we're saved. And that's the beginning of a journey of learning to hear His voice and live a life that brings glory to Him and pleasure to you. See, He wants you to enjoy life. Not a list of don'ts, it's a list of do's. That if we'll just do this, His blessings follow. My prayers can't save you. You must ask. You must believe. And only then can you receive the gift of salvation. So let's pray and take care of that business right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I do believe that you came to planet Earth to die in my place 
so that I could have eternal life. I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. Help me to learn your voice and to learn your ways. And when I fall down, help me up so that I can live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Lord, I lift up all of the other folks that raise their hand for different things. I pray tonight for those that are making a new commitment to get into your word, that, Lord, that you would help them to learn to not walk by sight, but to truly walk by faith. Our faith can only be strengthened by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word. And for, Lord, those that have messed up, as they repented tonight, Lord, to get back in the race, just as these men of God that I mentioned in your word. I pray tonight, Lord, that as they're restored, that there would be a new anointing upon their life. There would be a, a new inspiration of passion about serving you. And we'll be sure to say thank you and to give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to make one or two announcements real quick.